Good morning. It is good to see your smiling faces this morning, as Brother Justin said. Uh, we are truly thankful to be in the house of the Lord this morning to have this time to spend and study and in worship and in communion, and we're thankful again for your presence. This morning, we're going we're gonna to take a break from Old Testament prophecy, and we're going to talk about um, some things that certainly, uh, not that all those things don't apply to us, they certainly do, and, and I think they're very important to, to know and to understand and to see, the, uh, to see God's providence in the world and in our lives. But <clears throat> this morning, I want to uh, go back to, to something that I've uh, spoken on many times over the years, not, not so much because you need it, but because I need it. Um, and uh, so the, the title of the lesson is, is, Today I Will, Making the Most of Every Day. And if you've heard me give this lesson before, you know, you know what it's about. So I hope you'll bear with me and I hope it'll be helpful and encouraging to you as it is to me. You know, as we go through our lives day to day, you know, a lot of times at the end of the day, we come home and Robin will say to me, how was your day? Um, and people ask us, you know, how was your day? And, and most of the time, ah, it was fine, it was okay, you know. Um, you know, a lot of times we're not, we're not really sure how our day went. Yeah, we kind of go through days and it seems like life just kind of pulls us through the, uh, the emotions of the things that we have to do. Um, so what I want to, the reason I want to talk about this lesson is I think these, the things we're going to talk about this morning are things that help us. There are certain things in our, in our days and in our lives that we can control and, and some specific things with regard to our relationship with God and how doing those things is of tremendous benefit to us. So that at the end of the day, we can, we can answer that question with confidence that, Today was a good day because if we do these things, regardless of other things that happen to us, the day we can say we had a, we have a good day. Uh, many years ago, when I was in college, um, actually starting when I was in college, and for several years in my life, there was a, a little book that um, I used to read every day, and it was called "Today Is Mine." And you probably you may be familiar with that book. It was written by a man named Leroy. Brownlow, and it's basically a, you know, a page for every day, and it's a little devotional for every day, and, and along with some scripture and a quote from someone in history. Um, but it, it's 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 sort of like Proverbs; it's practical wisdom for us in our daily life that is based on scripture. So I'm not promoting that book today. I mean, I, if if you haven't, I, I would certainly encourage you to read it if you haven't haven't read it or would like to read it. But one of the things I wanted to <clears throat> Note that it was I was looking at that and preparing for this lesson is on the page for January 2nd, there was, there's a prayer there and it's called a prayer for the new year. And, uh, and it goes like this. And these thoughts I pray, may I make every day mine, not waste a one. Look forward, not backward. Grant me a life of peace, free from strife, animosity, resentment, and retaliation. Help me to be a friend to all people, even those who dislike me, manifesting more tolerance. 
May I be quick to see my own faults and even quicker to correct them. Endue me with a gentle and kind and helpful spirit. May I abhor the evil and cleave to the good. Give me strength to do your will. Help me to count the cost and to pay the fare. May I walk with thee unto the end. You know, that prayer is, you know, we could spend a lot of time and just make a a sermon of that prayer uh, because certainly those are things that we would pray for, uh, for God's guidance in those things every day. But I want to focus on just a couple of things there, and it's really, it's the beginning and the end. Number of the first part of that prayer is, may I make every day mine, not waste of one. <clears throat> you know, the, uh, we have a limited number of days on this earth. Um, you know, Jesus tells us that the night cometh when no man shall work. Therefore, he, he said, I'm going to work while it's day. I'm going to work while it's today because the night's going to come when I can't do those things anymore. We have a limited number of days, and to see those, to see every day as a gift from God, I think is a true blessing. To not take things for granted, to not take life for granted, to not take each day for granted, but to make the effort, as the prayer says, to make, to make today mine. And the end of that prayer is, may I walk with thee unto the end. The key part of that living each day victoriously is living life with God, walking with God each and every day. And so the things I want to talk about this morning will, are things that will help us do that. There are things that, that are necessary for us in walking with God each day. <clears throat> there was a man named Charles Schwab. You've heard that name. It's not the, cha- not the same Charles Schwab that uh, has the investment uh, banking group um, that you hear about on commercials and stuff, but the, a man by the same name but who, was, who was a very successful businessman back at the turn of the, uh, the 20th century. And he was the president of a company called Bethlehem Steel. <clears throat> and he, um, he was known for, he, he had worked under Andrew Carnegie as Andrew Carnegie de- developed a U.S. Steel and turned it into a, a, a world uh, the world's leading producer of steel. Uh, later, he started his own company called Bethlehem Steel, but he was, he was very successful in business, and he was always looking for ways for it to be more productive, to get more done. And so he was approached by a man named Ivy Lee, about he, who told him, he said, I can make your company, I can make your people more productive. And he said, he said, he said well, what will you charge me to do? And he said, I won't charge you anything. He said, you try it for a while, and if it, if it proves to be profitable and beneficial to you in your business, then you can pay me what you think it's worth. And so what he did is he gave him a slip of paper, and on the slip of paper were some simple instructions, and it said, every day before you go home, he said, write down the six most important things that you need to do the next day. He said, and then put those in order of what's the most important. He said, do this and have your managers do it, and see what change it makes in your business. After about 30 days of doing this, Charles Schwab wrote a check to Ivy Lee for the, what would it be today about $400,000. So he said this was something that was very beneficial. It's something that's very simple, and, and speaking from, um, you know, there's probably others, uh, others of you who've, who probably have done this in, in your business life or in your uh, in your work life to, to kind of make that list of things and of priorities and, and uh, how, much, how much more you get done by focusing on the things that are most important. 
And so in that light, the things I want to talk about today are things I think are most important to us each day. As in living in the Christian life, these are things that we should highlight and, and strive to do on a daily basis and to, to make a purposeful attempt to do those things. And, you know, I, I used to write these things on my calendar, like on a daily basis. And at times I get away from that and then I forget it. And soon I'm, and I'm not doing these things as consistently as I like. But I want to make the point too, that this is not merely a checklist. So this is not something that we just go through and, and we check the box, but this is something that we have to do earnestly and we have to do purposely and we have to do, uh, uh, with our spirit. We have to do with the, uh, um, in truth and in spirit. <clears throat> and so the first thing I want to talk about is today I will pray. And, and I want to <clears throat> thank Brother Bo for the reading of this morning. You know, there's, you know, the Apostle Paul said that we should pray without ceasing, um, that we should always be of a prayerful mind, that we should be constantly in communication with God that we should be constantly aware, be constantly aware of God's will for us. And as we go about our lives, do, living our lives in a way that is pleasing to him. <clears throat> so I think that's a lot of what Paul meant by pray without ceasing, that we have that constant um, lifeline to God, that we're constantly aware of his presence and we're aware of the things that we're doing in light of his will. <clears throat> in the reading this morning, Brother Bo talked about there's some specific instructions there that Jesus gave us about prayer. He said, you know, don't be as the hypocrites. It's not for show. You're not doing it to get attention to appear righteous to others. That's, if you're doing that, you've got your reward and it's not from God. He said, but you, you find a quiet place. So he tells us to go to a quiet place and to close the door. And God who hears us in secret will reward us openly, he tells us. And then he told us how to pray and he gave us the Lord's Prayer. And, and in times past when I've given this sermon, we've kind of walked through that verse by verse. And I don't want to do that this morning, but I'd rather I want to focus on another scripture that is very important to me uh, when thinking of, when talking about prayer, and that's Philippians chapter 4. And so I want to talk specifically about the blessings that we receive. We have a need to pray. We have a need to pray. It is something that, that God has placed in us, that we have that need to, to go to him. But I want to talk about some specific blessings that these scriptures tell us that we receive in prayer. Number one, Paul says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. <clears throat> so what Paul says is, don't be anxious, don't be worried. As we go through our daily lives, there are things that make us anxious and things that make us worried, aren't there? So Paul's, Paul's giving us an out. He said, when you feel that anxiety, when you become worried, he said, he said, instead of doing that, what you need to do is you need to go to God in prayer with thanksgiving. So when we go to God in prayer and we, we start naming our blessings. We start counting our blessings and being thankful for those things to God. It changes, number one, it changes our perspective, doesn't it? It gets our thoughts off of ourselves and of off the things that we're worried about. And it puts them on, look how good God has been to me. Look how good God is to me. <clears throat> and then he says, and then you go with prayer and supplication or with earnest pleading. So then you you, you point, you talk to God about those things that are causing you anxiety. 
you pour out your heart about the, your worries and your fears and the things that are troubling you. <clears throat> That's very important and it's something that, that we need and that is something that is very necessary to us and it's something that's very helpful <clears throat> to us. And then he goes on to say, when we do that, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So and the blessings that we receive when we go to God in prayer every day is number one, we have an escape from anxiety. <clears throat> when you feel those feelings of anxiety and of, and of fear and of and of trouble that are welling up in us that we have that escape. We have that place to go to count our blessings and to pour out our hearts to God and to be relieved of that anxiety. Number two, when we do that, we have the promise of the peace of God, which Paul says surpasses our understanding. We can't explain it. We can't, we can't describe the peace of God. We can't explain exactly what it is, but we have the promise that we receive it when we go to God in prayer. And number three, we have a guard for our soul. We have a guard. He says, it, you'll, you're gonna receive the peace of God and it's going to guard your heart. It's gonna guard your heart and your mind. I need a guard for my heart and my mind to protect me from those things that would be harmful to me, from those, from those, from those anxieties and those fears <clears throat> and to rest in the assurance of God's love and his, his promises for me. And because I need those things today, I will pray. And number two, today I will feed my soul. Today I'm going to feed my soul. You know, the, the second thing that is so vital to us as Christians, and, and I wouldn't put them in first or second in priority, but certainly that's something that's absolutely a necessity for us is, is God's word. You know, the Bible talks about God's word throughout God's word, and it tells us this is your spiritual food. This, this is the thing that helps us grow spiritually. It is the only thing that helps us grow spiritually or, or the, one of the most beneficial things to us and the most necessary things is God's word. It is through God's word that we have faith. The scripture tells us that faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God, that that's where our faith comes from. It, it doesn't come from the ether. It doesn't, something that's, that's born internally, but it's God speaking to us and our understanding and, and uh, trust in that, that, that faith is created, that faith comes from hearing God's word. It is our spiritual weapon. The, the scripture describes it as the sword of the spirit. It is how we defend the faith. It is how we defend our faith in Christ Jesus by knowing his word and his will. And we refer back to Jesus when he, when he fasted for 40 days and faced severe, faced severe temptation that in every, every time he was tried, he answered with the word of God says this, God says this. With God's word, he answered uh, those temptations. The scripture tells us that it's profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness. It tells us God's will for our lives. It tells us when we're doing wrong, it tells us how to correct those things. And it tells us how to live a righteous life as a Christian. <clears throat> First Peter 2 and 2 says, As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. <clears throat> Again, it's our spiritual food. It's that which gives us a spiritual growth. It's the most extraordinary book in the world. It has what you can find nowhere else. What 
God's word is powerful and it's alive, the scripture tells us. And it, there's no place else in the world that you can find the truth of God other than through his word. Jesus said that we're to hunger and thirst after righteousness. And if we do that, we'll be filled. Why? Because we're going to, we're going to fill that need. We're going, to, we're going to feed that hunger with the word of God. <clears throat> and I want to focus for just a few minutes on this as, as we look at the words of, of Psalms, the 19th chapter. <clears throat> Beginning in verse 7, the scripture says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The law of the Lord, the, the word of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The word of God will change us. It converts us. It leads us to repentance. It shows us God's love for us. It instructs us in how to come to him, to be born again in Christ Jesus. The law of the Lord is perfect in converting the soul. The statue of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The word of God is pure and it is true. And what does it say about that truth? When we read it, when we come with a, with a hunger for God's truth, it says it rejoices the heart. It creates a rejoicing. The word of God re creates a rejoicing in us. We rejoice at the truth of God's word. It enlightens our eyes, our spiritual eyes. It gives us understanding and it gives us wisdom. He gives us direction. <clears throat> the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. The, the word of God teaches us the fear of the Lord, which it tells us is the beginning of knowledge. The beginning of knowledge is the fear of the Lord, understanding who God is, understanding his love for us, but understanding his expectations for us, his commandments for us, which are all for our good and for our benefit. It teaches us his judgments. It shows us what is right is wrong, what is true and righteous. It says, more to be desired are they than gold, and yea, than fine gold. Sweeter also than honey in the honeycomb. The word of God is more valuable to us than anything in this world. There's not a price that we could put on it. If we're going to seek after things of value, like the merchant man that Jesus described in the parable, who sought goodly pearls, and when he had found one of great price, he went and sold all that he had to obtain it. <clears throat> that is the truth of God's word. That is the truth of the gospel of Christ. <clears throat> Sweeter also than honey in the honeycomb. It is more pleasant to the taste, to the soul, than anything that we could experience as far as food that we could eat. This is the sweetest thing that we can imbibe, that being the word of God. Moreover, by them your servant is warned. <clears throat> the Bible tells us about the troubles that are out there. It tells us about the troubles, the, the, uh, the dangers that are in the world, the dangers that are in sin, the dangers that are in the enemy who seeks to, to bring us down. It warns us of those things, and it says, and in keeping them there is great reward, in keeping the commandments of God, the truths of God, the word of God. There is great reward in this life, and there is tremendous reward in the life that is to come. <clears throat> I need God's word. I need the guidance of God's word. <clears throat> 
I need the assurances and the promises of God's word. I need the hope that God's word gives me and the joy that it brings to my heart. And therefore, today, I will feed my soul. And today, I will confess my sins. You know, somebody once said that confession is good for the soul. Now, that's not a direct King, King James quote, but it's certainly spiritually or scripturally true that we have a need to confess our sins. John, 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 and 9 says, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What is sin? Sin is the violation of God's will. It's a violation of God's law. It's a violation of God's commandments. The scripture says that at times all of us are going to sin. All of us are going to fall short. All of us are going to fail. John says if we don't acknowledge that, he said we're deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. What does sin do? It separates us from God, doesn't it? It it disrupts our relationship with God. Somebody said, you know, sin and the conscience which God gave us to recognize when we sin because we feel guilty when we sin, don't we? He said, they said, it's kind of like that light on the dashboard that, that flashes up when something's wrong with your engine. Check your engine. It's a warning light, our conscience is, to, to let us know that wasn't right. That's not God's will for your life. That's not what God intends for you. And And that warning is there for us to stop and to do something to to right then. Stop right now. Acknowledge that what I did was wrong. Acknowledge that that I sinned. Confess that to God. Repent. Ask for his forgiveness. Why do we try to hide sin? What is it in us that tries to hide sin? You know, we go all the way back to the Garden of Eden. And we saw Adam and Eve, when they ate of the forbidden fruit, what did they do? They went and hid themselves. Why? Well, probably a couple of things. Number one, what did God told them was going to happen when they did that? They said, you're going to die. The first thing I'm sure they wanted to do is they did not, they wanted to avoid the consequence of sin. They did not want to take the guilt and recognize the guilt in themselves and understand the consequences of what they had done. <clears throat> I mean, we're the same way. That's human nature. There's, there's this thing called pride that gets in the way too that we don't want to, we don't want to, the pain of taking into ourselves the, the guilt and the shame, but, that, but God has designed those things for our good. <clears throat> Because God wants to forgive us of those things. God wants, us to, wants to cleanse us of those, things, of those things. He wants to heal us. He wants us to always be in a state of reconciliation with him. <clears throat> Understand that we have an enemy who would use sin to separate us from God. To, who does not want us to have that reconciliation I heard it described one time as sin puts a handle on the middle of our, in the middle of our back. So when we would do something good for the Lord that, that oh, Satan whispers in our ear and he grabs the hold of the handle and says, whoo, where do you think you're going? 
I know what you did. I know what you said. I know what you thought. You're no good. You're not worthy of God's love. That's what Satan would tell us. And if we try to hide our sins from God, we play along in that vein. God says, come to me. Acknowledge sin. Deal with sin. Repent and ask for God's forgiveness. He says, for he, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Psalm chapter 32. <clears throat> One of the people who tried to hide sin that we know was David. And David said this in Psalm chapter 32. Blessed is he whose, whose transgression is forgiven whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and whose spirit there is no deceit. Notice again, <clears throat> deceit. Because when we fail to acknowledge sin, when we fail to acknowledge our failures, <clears throat> we're the scripture says we're deceiving ourselves. We're not deceiving God, we're only deceiving ourselves. <clears throat> When I kept silence, my bones grew old through my groaning all the day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer. This is what hiding sin does to us. It makes us physically sick. It makes us spiritually sick. <clears throat> it only prolongs the agony that we're in and withholds from us that which we most greatly need, and that is God's forgiveness. God's love and his forgiveness. I acknowledged my sin to you and my iniquity I have not hidden. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave me and you forgave the iniquity of my sins. <clears throat> every day in some way I fail. <clears throat> and every day I have a need to confess my sins. I need to be honest with myself and I need to be honest with God. I need to seek God's forgiveness and his healing in those situations and therefore today I will confess my sins and today I will bear someone's burden <clears throat> Galatians chapter 6 and verse 2 says bury ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ Further down in that writing in verse 10, he says, As we therefore have opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. <clears throat> Bearing someone's burden is simply putting my faith into action. That is turning a dead faith into a live faith. And that's what James wrote about in James chapter 2, that if we see someone in need and we and we, you know, we pray for them and say, be, be warmed and healed or be warmed and filled. And yet we don't give them what we need. They said, he says, our faith is dead. <clears throat> he says, we show through our works the faith that we have in Christ. And therefore, to bear someone's burden is put, to put my faith in action. To put my money where my mouth is. To live a life <clears throat> that, that displays the love of Christ and serves God in serving others. <clears throat> Jesus gave us the parable about the Good Samaritan, about the man who went from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell among thieves and they beat him and they took his goods and they left him bleeding and in the ditch and to die. 
along came a priest and a Levite, and then Jesus said, and they passed by on the other side. But the Samaritan came, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. And he bound up his wounds, and he put him upon his own animal, and he took him into town, and he found him a place at the inn, and he gave money to the, and he took care of him. And then when he had to leave, he gave money to the innkeeper. Jesus gave this parable in F, in, uh, in answer to a question that was given to him. <clears throat> when he had been questioned about what was the, the, the great commandments or what we needed to do uh, for, to, to uh, inherit salvation. And Jesus asked the man who, a, who asked the question, who was, who was a lawyer, he said, what do you read in the scripture? And he said, to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, strength, soul, and mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And he says, you've rightly answered. He said, but this man wanting to justify himself said, but who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Who is it that I should have to do this to? And so he gave this example. And he gave this example, and we assume that the man who was, who was beaten and robbed was a, was a Jew. <clears throat> but the person who treated him like a brother, like a neighbor, was a Samaritan who was despised by the Jews. Who is my neighbor? All those who are in need. Anyone who I can reach out to and help. Anyone who I have opportunity to show God's love to as I go about my life. Paul said, especially those of the household of faith, that we certainly look first to our spiritual family in Christ, and we look for opportunities to help or encourage them in living the Christian life, and beyond that, to help others as we have opportunity. <clears throat> I need to make my faith a living faith. I need to serve God in serving others, and therefore today, I will bear someone's burden. What did Jesus say at the conclusion of that parable? <clears throat> when he finished, he asked the man who was the lawyer, he said, who was brother, who was neighbor to this man? And he said, he who had mercy on him. And Jesus' response was, go and do thou likewise. Jesus' response to you and me is, go and do thou likewise. Bear someone's burdens. And today, I will trust God for tomorrow. <clears throat> As we go through our lives, it's easy to <clears throat> remember the, the failures of the past. It's important to learn from the things of the past, but we can't live in the past. It's also important that we plan for the future, but we can't live in the future. We have to live in the moment. We have to live life today. We have to have be cognizant, conscious of the daily responsibilities and duties that we have so that we can do the best in everything that we do today. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 6 and verse 34, Jesus said, Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. We have enough responsibilities to take care of today without trying to live take care of us tomorrow's responsibilities at the same time. You know, Jesus tells us that if we seek first the kingdom of God, that all the necessities of life will be added unto us. <clears throat> we don't need to worry about what we're going to eat or what we're going to wear, or those things, as long as we're seeking first the kingdom of God <clears throat> and putting our trust in him. This song that <clears throat> we sing sometimes is these verses very much illustrate 
the point of trusting God for tomorrow. Many things about tomorrow I don't seem to understand, but I know who holds tomorrow, and I know who holds my hand. Each day I have a need to do these things. It's important to remind ourselves of the need to do these things, not as as boxes to check, but to walk close to God, to, to... to, to remind ourselves of the importance and the necessity of each of these things, to pray, to feed my soul, to confess my sins, to bear someone's burdens, and to trust God for tomorrow. <clears throat> for today is the only day we have. Today is the day of opportunity. Today is the day of salvation, God's word tells us. And God's word proclaims his love for us through the gospel in that he sent Jesus to be born into this world <clears throat> to live a life as a human yet without sin. But he became sin for us in bearing our sins to the cross of Calvary and paying the eternal price for them there that we might have redemption and salvation through his blood. <clears throat> that he was raised again to die no more, that we through him also have eternal life. He calls us through the gospel that we may respond to that in believing that he is the son of God, confessing our belief in him and being buried with him in baptism, to rise to walk a new life, born again into the family of God, our past forgiven and our future secured. If we can assist you with that this morning, or if we can assist you with prayers or in any other way, we invite you to come forward while we stand and sing the song that's been selected.